0: Hey, y'all, and welcome to the Passion Creative Podcast, part of the Passion Podcast Network. Today, our editorial manager, James Vor sits down with music director, Jeff Lawson, to talk about the tension creatives can feel between being open-handed with the gifts God has given us and being excellent and dialed in with those same gifts. So sit back and enjoy this episode of the Passion Creative Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Passion Creative Podcast. My name is James Voor. I'm our editorial manager here at Passion. And I'm pretty excited today because I'm sitting down with a good friend of mine, Jeff Lawson. Jeff, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you, James? I'm doing awesome. This is going to be
1: so much fun. I think it is, too. I'm excited about this. Thanks for having Jeff,
0: me. Jeff, you are our music director here at Passion. And that's kind of a mysterious term for some people because on most Sundays, people would see you behind the keys. And then you've got a computer, and I think people are thinking, what's he doing? Is he doing work? Is he playing games? Like, what's happening right now? So for people who don't know what music directing is, take us through what you do on a Sunday.
1: So on Sundays, uh, it is, it's is—it's an active role as part of our bands. We okay. always have someone who in every band, whether it's in kids or students or the auditorium, whatever we do, we always have someone who is the music director for that band. Their job is basically to, at the end of the day, keep the band together. Uh, it's all a part of... of giving us a chance to, to stay together as a team to make sure that whatever's happening in the middle of a gathering, wherever we go in the middle of a song, whatever songs we're doing, making yeah. sure that they actually come together the right way, that they sound right. Um, the computer side of things gets into a lot of the technical stuff that we can always dive into. It's a lot of the stuff that most people probably aren't even always aware that's happening in the background, but right. there's things that are being played back as we play our worship songs that are helping them make helping make the songs sound more like the songs are supposed to sound like, yeah. and all that stuff's kind of running in the background. And But at the end of the day, the music director's job really has to do with making sure that what's happening, that we're all aware of what's happening in the middle of a room, that we're following our worship leader wherever they feel like it is that, that the spirit of God is moving us towards, yeah. and then kind of translating that into how can I keep the band together along that path? Yeah. That's really like the big picture version of it.
0: No, that makes sense. There's a lot of people on stage during a worship set And just to have them all going in the same direction seems pretty important.
1: For sure. Uh,
0: If you've ever experienced a moment where things are not going in the same direction, it can be very fun.
1: Yes, Um, and things get a little hairy
0: sometimes. Yeah, you know, it's it's good to have a nice, calm presence in the middle of that. That seems like a role that some people would fall into because of their personality. Um, Maybe they were just born to do it, who knows. But for you specifically, how did you end up as a music director? Did you start out just playing keys?
1: That's a great question. It, for me, it was kind of an odd path, okay. honestly. So I'm originally from Illinois. I grew up there. I went to school there. I actually went to college for engineering. What kind of engineering? I, I got a degree in aerospace engineering. So just to be clear, you, of of left field. you're a rocket scientist. <laughs> I would never say that because I never actually did it. Yeah. I, sure, I studied it, but I never did it. Okay. So I wouldn't say that. <laughs> but I did. I got my degree in that. And honestly, the Lord just took me on a pretty hard left turn, uh, it took a little bit of what felt like a big leap of faith at the time, but I just felt like it was where God was leading me was to take a step into kind of the territory of where I, I am now. Yeah, I ended up at a church in Louisville, Kentucky doing kind of the same type of thing, but for a student ministry at a church there called Southeast Christian Church. Uh, and that was really where I got my feet wet with okay. the idea of what music directing is. I had always, I grew up in the church. I had like my family grew up going to church and I'd gotten involved with the worship team from a long time ago. I mean, I would started playing keys. I started playing piano when I was maybe in third grade. Oh, so wow. I had a lot of that background already. I had taken lessons through high school and that kind of thing. And again, kind of stayed invested in music even while I was studying engineering. But then God took me on this path that brought me into interning and coming on staff at a church uh, in Louisville. And that was where I really fell in love with this idea of that maybe this is what God has for me. Like maybe yeah. this is really what... Uh, I feel called and led to do for this, you know, this part of my life, and so I spent some time there. And then, just by the way that God orchestrates connections through people and um, and friendships, I ended up making my way down here to Passion City Church, uh, yeah. coming on staff about five years ago. And so, it's been an interesting journey for me. I never thought when I was going to school for engineering that I would end up in anything that Certainly. remotely looked like <laughs> what I'm in now. Totally. Yeah. But I'm also so grateful. It's something that I I look back on a lot of it and I'm like, I don't know I ever would have seen it going this way, but yeah. I would never have wanted it to go any other way.
0: Let's follow down that for a minute because maybe even right now, somebody watching is a young musician or an older musician and they're thinking, oh, that's the thing that I've been kind of feeling is that our our culture, our band doesn't really have like a almost a point guard, you know, to put it in that perspective. And maybe they're feeling a little bit right now that stir of like, oh, I should maybe step into that. Who gave you that first chance? Like where in your musical journey did somebody kind of call that out in you and your ability to kind of direct what was happening?
1: Yeah. Um, really for me, uh, it was my brother-in-law. His name's Ryan Post. That's awesome. Uh, and he was one of those core instrumental people for me and seeing something in me that honestly I I didn't. Uh, I knew I had a love for worship. I knew I had a love for music and he was the first person to really see that and call that out in me. He was the one who actually brought me to Louisville. Um, but really, and I'm so grateful for that. Like he's been one of the most amazing people in my life as a mentor, pastor figure, friend, everything. Um, but from a bigger picture standpoint, it really was kind of those, those things where he brought something out of me that I didn't know that I had inside of me. And I think when it comes to your question, as far as like the idea of, um, you know, a point guard kind of thing. I think being open to the idea that it's like, God, you know, I want to be open handed with where I feel like I'm being taken in my life. Um, And while there have been instrumental people like Ryan for me that have helped draw that out of me, I think one of the things i processed a lot when I was taking that hard left turn out of engineering into this world was not always necessarily the destination. I think we think a lot about careers sometimes too. is like, oh God, what specifically do you want me to do? And a lot of it is about doing. Yeah. You know, like what job do you want me in? Where do you want me to be? But I just always try to remind myself that I just think he cares infinitely more about who we are. Right. And so if I can position myself in a way where what I'm doing allows me to become more of the person that God is calling me to be, then maybe that's really where I'm being called and being led. And for me, that yeah. looked like, okay, so maybe it's not engineering and maybe the way that God is calling me more into the person that he's created me to be is through this avenue of stepping into worship music. And then he places people along the way, yeah. like Ryan for me, that are the guys who are like, hey, I see that in you and like, yeah. let's bring that out and call you into that.
0: I love that. That's it's an interesting thought because as creatives, it's almost like our identity gets pretty quickly tied up in what we are able to accomplish. So you think, I'm a guitar player. Right. And even that sentence starts to get a little scary because you're like, are you saying that you are first and foremost a guitar player? Or I make films and all of a sudden you're just like, I have to do this thing. And if I'm not making films, I don't know who I am anymore. But you went through a transition where you were like, I'm studying engineering. And then from what you're saying, it sounds like you just started to release that a little bit and God kind of moved you. I would love to kind of camp in there for a little bit because I think a lot of us do need to do that kind of open-handed thing. And what happened to you is what we're afraid of. Well, maybe somebody will say, I don't see the same thing in you maybe that you thought, but I do see something differently. And what if you took a bold step into that? Yeah. If you can take us back a little bit because was it scary? I know you just said you were open-handed, but what what came with that? Was there fear? Was there a little bit of insecurity? Like what were all the things that kind of came alongside?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the most tempting thing on a practical level of where I was is at the time, it was just one of those things that was like, oh, you know, I'm on this path that to me just made sense. Yeah. You know, I, the way that I'm geared, I do, I process things a lot logically. I'm also okay. a crazy emotional person too. So I, I find myself tor- okay. torn and pulled all different directions. Yeah. But the way I process a lot of life is just like, what makes the most sense? And yeah. how can I take the right next step? Um, and so for me... <laughs> I mean, you can also, you can talk to my parents about this too, sure. because of course, them being the concerned parents of like, oh, we have this son. Well, on and this. here they
0: come from backstage, right? <laughs> exactly. Like,
1: well, they were probably like, oh, here's our son on this, you know, right. on this engineering track, and okay, he wants to go intern at a church. Like, I guess we'll see where that goes. Play music, okay. And to answer your question, yes. I mean, there was a lot of there was a lot of fear in it. Um, I a lot of it felt like the weird insecurity of like I felt like I knew to your point, my identity of who I was becoming, but it felt more wrapped in the thing that I felt like I was stepping into doing with the engineering thing. And so then, you know, when it came time to kind of decide, am I really going to step into this? Like I got my degree, is this the path that I want to take my my first step down? Mm. It was scary, but I felt that tug in my heart of God saying, there might be more for you, and it may not look like the more that you, that you initially thought as far yeah. as what it means and these aren't bad things but totally. you know that felt like there was maybe a lot of job security there or that there was a lot of um promise in the idea of where that would lead just in as far as maybe it would make life more comfortable and more easy in a lot of ways yeah. but i felt this tug from the spirit that was like but maybe that's not the right goal maybe mm. that's not the aim the comfort and the ease Maybe the right thing is is for you to be on this journey with me together, and yeah. you know. And I don't always know exactly where the end goal is. I mean, I think a lot about that story of Abraham, where he calls him. He's like, "Hey, go to the place that I will show you." Yeah. And so, like, the concept of like, okay, I just need to start taking steps, but I don't know where I'm going yet. But yeah. as long as I'm as long as I'm with the Lord in the process, that that's actually what matters and what He cares about. And so, but shoot, yeah, I mean, it was it was full of fear yeah. and insecurity, <laughs> right. and you know. I didn't know where it was gonna land, yeah. but I just felt like I had to choose to trust. You know? Choose to trust, I love that. It feels like from being
0: led by you on a worship team at times, from watching how you operate on our team now, being on staff for five years, which that time feels like it's blown by. <laughs> um, it feels like choosing to trust Choosing to trust is a pretty um, massive qualification for being a great music director. Mm. Because even in the moments where we have the set, um, you're still listening and feeling for that same pull of the Holy Spirit for like, that's cool you guys planned that. It's cool that you had a screen. Yeah. Maybe the screen turns off. Who <laughs> yeah. knows? But it's cool that you planned that. But maybe I have something different mm-hmm. for somebody in the room, for somebody specific. What does that look like even within a set for you to be constantly as a music director then opening your hands and yeah. being really open along with the worship leader, yeah. you know, being in sync with that?
1: Yeah, I actually, the the idea of trust for me as a music director is usually one of the things that I feel like becomes one of those paramount things of like, this is the, maybe the most important thing. Yeah. And it happens in a lot of ways. It happens between the relationship with a worship leader. Um, it's arguably probably the most important one as far as I've made this analogy before, but kind of going back to explaining the role of the music yeah. director a little bit. Uh, this is such a cheesy analogy, but honestly, it's one of the best ways I've ever thought to, to explain you. all of yeah. it, it. makes sense this way to me. Is It's almost like if the worship leader is the captain of the ship, okay? then the music director is kind of the first mate. And I don't know anything about roles on ships, but sure. I think that that's the right terminology. But basically— the music director being the first mate to the captain to say, like, captain is kind of the one that everybody looks to to say, hey, where are we going? Like, where are we headed on this ship in our journey towards the Lord, towards worshiping Him, towards giving Him glory? And once that, once the captain kind of says, hey, I think this is where we're headed, it's kind of the first mate's job to take that and then relay it to everybody else to say, like, okay, this is how we're going to try to get there. Yeah. Um, Again, cheesy analogy, but it starts to make sense. And as far as the topic of trust goes... It probably goes without saying that, you know, to build trust in the relationship with your worship leaders, Mm. and here in our context, honestly, we have a lot of them. So it actually takes a lot of work. There's a lot of relationships that require some care and fostering and intentional investment in so that when you step onto a stage together, it doesn't feel like you're starting from different pages, that there's, there's actually like common ground there and there's a trust there so that we all know that when you get into some worship moments and yeah. you maybe explore some of the territory where you're not sure where you're going, that that mutual give and take of the worship leader knows that I've got their back. And at the same time, I know that I can trust if they start going somewhere where I didn't anticipate, Yeah, I can trust that. And I can trust that the Lord is moving in them in a way because I know them and I know where they're at with things. And that is like the glue that holds everything together. And then in the same vein, when it comes to relationships with the band, I mean, it truly is almost, it's really just as important when it comes to allowing moments to happen in worship sets where I can either choose to control right? and basically 100% of the time that doesn't always go well, unless there are times that by the way you're gifted or by the way that things have to happen, sometimes, of course, you have to step in and make sure that things totally. go the right way. Yeah. But with the band guys, there's also another level of like, I'm going to choose to trust that each person is carrying their gifting well into the gathering, that they're bringing as much of who they are and the way that God has given them talent to the table to help make the picture of what we're trying yeah. to do come together as well as it can. And so all the mutual trust is really the glue on stage of making everything. Yeah. And it, it, it makes everything not just come together, but it almost gives birth to this whole new thing where there's an extra layer of richness and depth and beauty to the sound that we make
0: yeah, when you beautiful. do all of that. Yeah. You know, That's fantastic. I'd almost like to camp there for a second because you mentioned this, but you came five years ago. Mm -hmm. At that point, we had been rolling as a church for five, six years. And so there was people, there were people on worship team who had been leading worship together for a long time. Right. And then it was like, hey, here's Jeff. (laughs) And I'm just thinking about somebody out there who maybe is in a new situation, Mm -hmm. um, potentially has never thought about building the trust like that before. um, Or maybe even has like a strained relationship with the worship leaders because there is a bit of that like, leadership there can be a tug of war there in leadership Yeah, and so I'm just wondering practically speaking if you were going to encourage other music directors out there on the art of building trust mm. what did that look like for you when you came in and you were new like what are some of the practical things that you did that somebody else could try and implement
1: Oof, that's a great question uh, well I, I do think that for one you know I think it can look a little different for each relationship totally um And each context, obviously. I mean, at the end of the day, each church and community has gone through its own journeys. Mm. Um, And so I think, but maybe that's a great place to start is that I think one of the most important things is, especially when you're the new person, like I think back to five years ago when I stepped in, a lot of what I thought about is how can I, my goal should not be to step in and make my own big footprint because at the end of the day, it's not about me. Um, what it's about is joining in together with the uh, with a community of people that are on a journey that God's been taking them on for a really long time before I ever was mm. grafted into it. And so a lot of it for me is actually just, one, being aware of of the history, like being aware of where that community or your context has been, being yeah. aware of the ups and downs of where people have been on their journey as a church. Um I can't step well into a place without being aware of of looking and it doesn't mean that you need to dwell in the past and like right. and you know continue some of maybe the same cycles of things that maybe are what need to change but being aware of them gives you gives you a better you know a better chance to step into something and say like how can I both join into this and then together you know, move forward in a direction that's either the right kind of change we want to make, mm. or, or keep pressing into ways that God's already, yeah. you know, taking this community on. And as far as building a relationship with people, I think, I mean, it's it's such a simple answer, but you kind of just have to choose to care enough about relationships right. to. You got to give them time, and you've got to you've got to focus enough on it to say. It's about priorities for me i think it's easy in my role and for a lot of people i think involved in in worship because of the way we're all gifted yeah we care a lot about the you know the instrument we play the thing that we do but it always has to fall second to people and second to relationships and of course all of this under the umbrella of the real end goal which is what we're actually doing together when we come together to worship Mm. but but in the context of, in the weeds of all this, it's like, my relationship with the worship leader is far more important than, you know, a certain worship moment going exactly right. right. My relationship with the drummer is far more important than me just controlling and telling him exactly what I think he needs to play to make this song sound as great yeah. as, it, as I hope it does. And... It's about choosing to care about that stuff more than the practicals. It doesn't mean the practicals don't matter. At the totally. end of the day, we still, you know, we still need to foster our gifts well. If we're not using what we've been given well to do what we're trying to do, then yeah, then that's actually like a poor stewardship thing at the end mm. of the day. But you just have to choose to care. You gotta give it time. It takes I didn't feel like I really built the kind of trust that I that I wanted and needed to have to really fire on all cylinders until, honestly, a couple years in. Um, And it doesn't mean that those first couple years were a waste of time. It's just that that's the kind of... The building blocks. Yeah, that's what it takes, you know? Yeah, yeah.
0: I love that you said that you have to choose to join in. And again, now it's been five years for you. And so I'm just very interested when you look back over the last five years um, as to what God has changed in you personally that affects how you lead and what he has revealed to you, what he's shown to you. How are you a different music director now, five years later, than you were when you first came to Passion City Church?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot about, I, again, thinking of the knowledge of, you know, like my background, the engineering thing, I have always been geared as a perfectionist, like to my core. It's one of my, it's one of my <laughs> biggest flaws. I always want things to go as much as exactly right as I can. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, that never fully goes away. I think mm. that it, to a degree, that's something I constantly have to both be aware of and somewhat fight against mm. as like a as a tug on. I always feel this urge of like I want things to go perfect. Yeah. I think one of the maybe one of the best things I've learned is that it's really not the right goal to make perfection our aim it's just not i think i think it gets confusing in the sense that sure we do again going back to what i just said we do want to steward our gifts well and by doing so we we need to care enough about doing the thing that we're doing well because sure. it is for the glory of god and when we use our gifts well i believe that that brings him glory but when you make the aim and the goal for things to go perfect, you start to kind of put the, it puts the striving at mm. the center of of the target, like right. of, of your aim, rather than what we're actually doing together, which is, no, the goal here is is to go wherever the spirit of God is going in this room and to bring him glory. Right. That's all we're doing here. Yeah. And so when you when you get caught up in the in trying to make sure each moment goes perfectly it actually is saying like no my idea of how this should go is actually more important than being aware and listening wow. to the spirit of god in every moment and saying and being open to like maybe my idea of how this should go perfectly is <laughs> is really incorrect yeah. and really not right yeah and so i've learned that the hard way in a lot of ways and i continually learn that i think you know it's a it's a tough pill to swallow because it's basically just trying to learn how to swallow your own pride when yeah. you're like okay that didn't either go great or go how I thought it would but but I've I've tried to over these years learn that lesson of it's okay for things to not be perfect if if our chief aim is really just to go where the spirit of God is going yeah. Then the perfection part just doesn't matter well that's um, such
0: a good thought for it doesn't matter what kind of creative
1: you are yeah.
0: If you're a filmmaker, if you're a photographer, anything like that, when perfection becomes the chief end, then you're you're maybe only off a few degrees in navigational heading. But as I'm sure you know, as a rocket scientist, all of a sudden <laughs> now you're a really difference. far away from your goal. If perfection's not the end goal, I think a lot of people will be very interested to know um, at Passion City Church on a regular Sunday, how many uh, mistakes or like degrees away from perfection are we that people never catch on to
1: honestly it's probably a lot more than (laughs) than most people are aware of yeah i think you know obviously on a practical level a lot of it comes down to in anything in any avenue i feel like it's like whether it's sports or music or anything you know at the end of the day when mistakes happen it's more about how you how you handle it and how you move forward from it than it is the mistake itself you know it's like And again, for me, it's so easy for me to get hung up on when things do happen that are maybe not right or not perfect, or maybe objectively like, okay, it's not, this isn't about perfection. Like that was just bad. That was just wrong. (laughs) And, you know, I think the longer I go, the more I've, I've tried to train myself in the ways of like, okay, recognize it happened. Just own it. Whoever it is, maybe it's me, maybe it's someone else. It's like, you can, you can give it its moment, acknowledge that something's not right or not great, and then you move on. There's probably a lot more things that don't go exactly right on Sundays than you'd think. But again, then there's sometimes where there's beauty in it too, where it's like, oh, that actually didn't go great. But it's it's actually because we were kind of caught up in a moment and Mm. that was way more important for us to go down that journey as a worship team than to not. And Mm -hmm. sure, maybe it didn't go perfectly, but again, it's like, but it felt more like what had to happen for us to to seek God together and to try Mm. to go where it felt like God was trying to move the room together as a whole and trying to be attentive to that. And so sometimes it gets bumpy along the way, but it's worth it, you know?
0: Your role though does have leadership assigned to it. So even in the grace that you have, let's say for yourself and the perfectionism, how do you then translate that if something was to go sideways up here, there's probably a coaching moment for you with a musician or even a worship leader. Yeah. What's that look like? Because I think that's probably one of the hardest parts as a creative to figure out is, okay, I'm now in a position of leadership and I need to give feedback. Yeah. And I know what it feels like to receive feedback and that can be tricky enough. Now I'm being asked to give feedback. Yeah, yeah. So how do you manage that?
1: Um, I think a lot of it for me, again, I, I mean, I, to me, this is one of the most important parts, if not the most is the relational side. You know, yeah. I, I know I keep coming back to it, but for me, if there are things that need addressing or if there are things that are like, okay, that didn't, you know, objectively go well or go yeah. great, then I think the most important part is to still like if there's a conversation that needs to be had mm. with a person, that you still have to have the mindset when you go into those conversations that the person matters more than the mistake. Yeah. And also wow. the person is not the mistake. And so, yeah, like it needs addressing. Sure. Like we can step into that and talk about it's like, hey, man, like, you know, that portion of that song that just didn't, that wasn't right. Like, right. But, but the mindset of going into that conversation, I feel like the most important part is to lead with like, hey, like first off, I love you. I trust you so much. Like, yeah, like, sure. We can both acknowledge usually, hopefully there's at least enough relational equity there to just acknowledge the truth of what happened it's like okay like we don't even need to get into any kind of back and forth or arguing about this like let's just like put it on the table but also the more that I can step into it just say like hey I love you and Mm. I don't like we can talk about this but also you know let's address it move on and then the most important part is actually like in, in those conversations if I'm caring more about that person yeah and just saying it, you'd be shocked how many times that things happen on Sundays when it comes to stuff like this, that maybe the biggest reason that certain things don't go right is actually because maybe that person's going through something. In yeah. life. Um, and the more important thing for me to do is to step into conversations with those people and say like, you know, Hey, like, you know, sure. We need to address this. And like, maybe that didn't go right, but are you okay? Um, like, yeah. is everything, beautiful, Jeff. you know, How are you? Like, how is how is life? Like, Mm. is there anything going on in your life? And I mean, I'm obviously make blowing this into like a different category of conversation. But it is interesting how often you find that when people aren't necessarily carrying or stewarding their gift to its fullest potential, it usually is wrapped up in something else going on in life. Yeah. And sometimes it's small happenstance mistakes, but sometimes it's like, oh, you just seem off. Like. I care more about you than right. you not being like at 100% today. Like, yeah. are you okay? Like, what's going on but here?
0: That's the mantle of leadership, isn't it? That it's, I love you. I mean, what you just said is incredible. The person is not the mistake. And just as an encouragement for people out there, if you are in a position of leadership in the church specifically, it's so easy for your goal and your mindset to become um, accomplishment oriented in which case then anything that stops that accomplishment from happening the way that you think it should be becomes a mistake. And if somebody makes a mistake, I think it could be really easy for somebody to assign mistake person, person mistake. But what you're saying is so beautiful in that, no, there's a lot of grace for you here. And I think people might be surprised at how much grace that we have on our team just because we try to hold this standard of excellence that we talk about a lot. But... Mm it sounds like what you're saying is that the excellence is oftentimes really found more in the personal relationships yeah. than it is just in the work that our hands are doing.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, I think this, this there's a, an analogy uh, that pops back up into my head a lot because it's something that has stuck with me. And I, it'll make sense where, I, where I'm going with I'm this. I'm excited. So go with me for a <laughs> second. But it's something actually I remember reading. I haven't read this book in years, but it's something that C.S. Lewis talks about in Mere Christianity. He actually... I'm not going to get into the idea of the theology behind this because I'm not the person to speak sure. about this. But he talks all, at one portion in the book. I remember reading this and it just struck me. It stuck with me. He talks about how, you know, in any group situation, whether it's, you know, again, like a sports team, a band, like when you think about some of your favorite bands. Yeah, yeah. You watch them, and you kind of—you see something happening, but you can just tell that there's something altogether more special happening than just what the, each of them are doing. Right. You know, I think about some—you two. I'll use u two, because I know yeah. you have know you two. So, if all of a sudden you pull Adam Clayton out of u two, you can put someone in who carries the bass parts and does everything the same, but it's not, the, it's not right. quite the same. And C.S. Lewis talks about, you know, even if you think about some of your tightest knit group of friends yeah. or— there's almost—he describes it as almost like a persona of its own, almost mm. like an identity of its, of its own can come out of the beauty of, of relationships of a group, a specific group of people. Yeah. And the theology side of it, he makes the parallel of describing it almost as the way that the relationship between the Father and the Son, between the Father and Jesus— the, the the community that's born out of that takes on its own persona. That is wow. the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Like that, he kind of uses that as an analogy. Yeah. But to me, I think about it in a way that one of my goals when it comes to Sunday. Yeah. And this is the tough part about being on a worship team is that you do have different groups of people every week that you know, as a music director that I'm working with. Right. We always have we have a big pool of door holders that you know. But my one of my goals is to find and chase after what that identity, what that persona as a group that we have like that, almost like that general spirit of who we are. And that's all born in the relationships. It's all born in the knowing each other. And the fun part of it is it is different for each group on a Sunday. Um, But the way that it plays into this of what we're talking about is I actually think that that type of thing enhances our worship and as far as richness and depth Mm. and Honestly, that stuff spills over into a room. I think the way that God uses community and the things that can be elevated out of a group of people who are doing something together with love, with trust. Yeah. And that supersedes excellence sometimes mm-hmm. for me. It's like it may not be the most pristine sounding band, but if we can chase after whatever, you know, the collective persona and identity of this thing that we've got for this day, this right. gathering, this worship set. And do it in the midst of love and trust with each other, and allow that to spill over. Like allow God to use the community and relationships of that to spill yeah. over into a room from the sound that we're making together. There's even more beauty and richness and depth, and people feel that. I yeah. really think they do. Um, and I, I just think that's one of the ways that God likes to use yeah. a group of people to, Gosh. you know, to move a room into worship. You know, well, that's just the church. Yeah,
0: you know, it just is. The yeah. coming together of people of all different kinds in order to achieve one goal, which is just to glorify Jesus. I love that. And now I'm thinking about you on a Sunday and how much responsibility you actually carry. (laughs) And I'm sure you also carry some before and after. So if we get into a little bit of the nitty gritty, not too much, but a little bit of the nitty gritty of music directing, what does your week leading up to a Sunday look like? Preparing, getting ready, helping craft the set, worship leader. Um, Obviously, we've talked a little bit about Sunday, but maybe walk us through what a set looks like for you on Sunday. And then is there any debrief? Like what happens in the back end of that?
1: Yeah, for sure. So the week leading up, there's somewhat of a process to it. It always looks a little different depending on the week and depending on if there's specific parts of how mm-hmm. we're going to do some songs or maybe a different setup for the band. But in general, you know, the week leading up looks like um, one of the things that I do carry is what I referenced maybe all the way back at the beginning is a little bit of um, one of the things I do for all of our auditoriums uh, is I set up our track sessions, which... okay. Again, tracks is just kind of, if, if it's something that's not familiar to you, yeah. it's something that's happening in the background that most people probably wouldn't necessarily be aware of all the time, but there are elements that are in the song that help make the song right. sound like the song, but that maybe can't or aren't being recreated live on stage. Right. So that's why you have a computer basically play back this extra sound mm-hmm. or extra things that are happening in the song to enhance the sound of what's happening so i set up those sessions of what we use for each of our auditorium rooms um again depending on the week it might look like making sure that we have the right resources for all of our door holders to be able to know and learn the songs well charts things like charts yeah things like references maybe we're going to do and this is another thing if maybe we're going to try to do a different arrangement of a song on a sunday making sure that if we need a a reference for that, that people can listen to and say like, oh, this is how we're going to do this differently. So you're
0: saying it's important to get those to your band beforehand.
1: It is. You're (laughs) right. And sure, I don't always do a great job of that. Oh, no, I
0: think you're doing great. I'm just saying for somebody out there, it could be encouraging. And it's
1: very helpful too. I mean, you know, you have to remember that again, part of caring for your team is giving them the right amount of time and resources. and. We are not perfect. With that. <laughs> I, I'm not perfect at that. I don't think any um, church is
0: perfect at it. But
1: I, I, the thing that actually motivates me the most to do those things is to remember that it's like, oh, this is actually an act of care and love for our yeah, team by helping resource them to do their role well. Yeah. And so, But right, there's charts, there's references, um, and then there's conversations with the worship leader, especially if there are maybe overarching, you know, maybe vision ideas of how we want to approach a set. Um, things like maybe talking through if there's certain transitions between songs Mm. where maybe we want to leave space here or maybe we want to not leave space here and go you know the kind of things that are the small tweaks you get into the nitty gritty you talk about exactly how you want to do things then we'll have midweek rehearsals Um, for the most part they happen on Wednesday nights for us here After those, you know, we'll make tweaks. I might have to tweak some of the track sessions and maybe we'll end up, maybe we try things and it's like, ah, there may not be one of these songs, maybe doesn't fit right in the set like we thought it would. Um, Sometimes all the way up until Saturday, we've made adjustments and... um, Just another moment of trust. Right. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, yeah, this isn't ideal to toss a new song to everybody or a different song to everybody the night before, but also you know, there is the, the push and pull of sometimes it's necessary. If it's like, Hey, we just had this realization that this song could be the right song for this yeah. moment. That we need to do this. I um, mean, you can trust that. And so and then Sunday, you know, obviously we have our gatherings and there is debrief after for the most part after each gathering of kind of like, Hey, you know, what did feel like it worked for this set. And you know, each room is a little different too each gathering. Sometimes, the way that a room responds to certain moments in one gathering is just not what happens the next one, and that's okay too. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, you kind of you kind of take all of that in stride. You debrief. You kind of say like, "Hey, maybe this just isn't working for today," or right. "Hey, this really worked. Like, we've we've got to make sure that we do that again." Yeah. Or, um, and so, yeah, that's kind of what the flow of like my normal week would look like. So, with all of that,
0: I'm now thinking. I'm thinking through you just moving through a week, and your weeks are kind of always aiming at Sundays. Sure. What's the next Sunday going to look like? For you then personally to worship God and to stay in a place where this isn't just a job, it's not just a role, and it's not just a series of tasks that you're checking off. Yeah. What are some of the practices, the spiritual disciplines that you have put into place to make sure, that hey, when I show up on Sunday, I'm not just leading worship, but I'm worshiping. Yeah. I'm a part of the room chasing after God together. These words are still influencing me. The music is still influencing me. I'm still meeting with my Heavenly Father, even though it's been a pretty like systemic thing through the week.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a, a great question. I think, to be frank, I think it is probably one of the most deceiving, or maybe not deceiving, but one of the easiest pitfalls to mm. fall into in a role like this, or maybe as a worship pastor, you know, it's easy to fall into the, the, the false misconception of like, that because I'm doing all this work for worship all the time, that it means that I'm caring for my own soul's expression of worship throughout the week, or even on Sundays. Um, it's something that you do have to Try to actively remind yourself that it's like just because I'm doing the work of ministry on a Sunday doesn't always mean that my heart and my soul is in it in the way that God would desire for me to be. And so to answer your question, I do think one, I, I mean, I think it's always important to try to find that space during the week, almost like intentionally to have set aside in a way that feels Separate from the work. Again, if if I was to speak to the church employee or church staff person right now, you have to find intentional ways to make sure that it doesn't feel like it's too intertwined with your job because Mm. that gets really messy really quick, even though there's beauty in that. But you have to find space to care for your own soul and to find ways to make sure that you are expressing the same kind of worship and adoration to the Lord. Sometimes even just separate from what we do on Sundays. But then when it comes to things like Sundays, I think there's a couple things. One would be just the constant reminder of, you know, it's easy for me to get caught up in, again, thinking about how I can try to help make everything go as well as it can. Yeah. Um, And that's not a bad thing. But I do think that it's about reminding myself of what's actively happening in a room when we are leading worship. Yeah. That it's like, sure, we are making music. That's one thing that's happening. And there's a lot of things that I'm trying to help make them just literally happen as far as playing the right notes, making sure the right tracks are playing. But what's actively happening is we're we're coming together as a room to try to bring glory to God and to pursue Him together. Yep. And so when you when you prep honestly, I think some of it comes to being and feeling prepared enough to where I don't, not that you want to get into autopilot mode necessarily, but there are times where I think when I feel the most prepared and the most confident in the way that God has gifted me to do what I'm there to do, it actually helps put the tasks at hand just behind the most important things. Right, Where it's like, I can actually leave enough space in my brain to focus on is what we're doing, like how, you know, is my heart in this? Are we chasing after what it feels mm. like the heart of God wants for this moment right now? And right behind that is like, I need to make sure I'm yeah. stewarding the gift he's given me to right. do that well. But, but
0: physically then you'd even, I mean, this might be oversimplifying, but if your hands are in the right place, you're able to look up yes. and see, I mean, we're sitting in our Cumberland Auditorium right now. You're able to see what's happening with people.
1: Yes and honestly that i have I've thought about that a lot, that one of the things I've realized, maybe this is a practical, helpful thing for people, but looking up really is one of the simplest mm. and best things that I can do for myself when it comes to being in a worship set and trying to trying to return to that place where it's like I want my heart to be postured in a way that is is worshiping, and so yeah. the easiest way for me to do that is to look up and be <laughs> reminded that it's like oh yeah, that's where everybody in this room is at. And like when I'm looking down and I'm invested in myself and my keys or your guitar or whatever, it's easy to forget like until you lift your eyes. And not only do you see what God's doing in a room, which moves me to worship, but you also see the individual faces of people who are meeting with God and having moments with him. And that spurs me on to want to chase after that even more together. And so I love that you said that because I've, I do think that that's a super practical, really simple way. Yeah. The more that you can have your eyes up and perceive what God is doing in a room, the more it spurs you on to, to and postures you in a place where you're reminded of this is what really matters about what yeah. we're doing right now, not just the specifics and right. the
0: practicals. Yeah. I love that. Just for our last question here, I'm, I'm just picturing right now college Jeff and he's just wrestling with this decision and he wants to trust God, but he's also a little bit intimidated by the idea of but I put all this time and effort into this thing. And now I feel like maybe you're calling me to something else. And so I would just love for you to encourage anyone who's in that same spot of life right now. They may be a musician. They may be any kind of creative. They maybe are just serving at their church. They might just be in college trying to decide, you know, is church the thing for me? Maybe encourage somebody who is younger and is just wrestling with, I think God is leading me somewhere, but it's not, where I had imagined.
1: Yeah, I think the toughest part about being in a place like that is overcoming the fear Mm -hmm. a lot of times of the unknown. Um, And feeling like you have maybe sometimes just the courage to overcome a lot of, you know, to overcome that fear of, of, I don't know what will come of all of this if I step in this direction. But maybe the... I mean, the most encouraging thing I could say is that I think oftentimes, not only do we grow as people the most when we when we choose to take the risks that feel a little bit like the scary ones of, yeah, like, I feel like I've got to do this, but I don't know if I can do it. My encouragement to you would be that on the other side of that is, to me, not only the greatest personal growth that you might find in your life, but also... That going back to some of what I said earlier, I think that those are the kind of ways that God loves to stretch us in the right way of, yeah. of that slow process of transformation of, of turning us into the people not only to be more like Christ, but but that He's you know He's shape, He's always shaping and forming us, and if we allow ourselves and overcome the fear of what that might feel like, because yeah. sometimes it does hurt, and sometimes it feels like a stretching. But to take those leaps and to take steps in faith, it's like that. that's what God is always calling us to, calling us to. And it doesn't mean that you need to take rash decisions mm. in life. It doesn't mean that the riskiest ones are always the right ones. <laughs> right. But what it does mean is I need to be attentive to the kind of work that it feels like God's trying to do in my life. And if I need to make a, a big life decision, I want it to be made in a way that feels like on the other side of whatever this scary jump is is the transformation I think he is wanting to make in me. And maybe the only way for him to really accomplish that in me is for me to, he's calling me there. I just need to take that step of faith yeah. into some of the unknown. Um, and then along the way, you do the things that that are you know honing and caring for and growing in the way that you can invest in the way that God's already gifted you, identifying yeah. that, being confident in that, saying, not in a prideful way, but in the in the humble confidence of saying, like, I really feel like God has gifted me to do this. Yeah, it doesn't mean I have to think I'm the you know the very best in the world or that you know I'm better than everybody else. But I do think that there's a gift there, and I I want to steward that and care enough about that to you know to invest in it and you know invest in my craft, yeah. grow as in the practicals. But then when it comes to the big life decisions trusting that it's like in the ways that he's gifted you and in what's ahead and the transformation as a person that he's trying to do in you. But then you can take those confident steps of faith, even when it's a little scary and and jump into some of the unknown and (laughs) just say like, Hey, I'm along for the ride and for the journey. And oftentimes that's the most important part is it's, you know, it is that journey that we're on that we're trying. That's where you, you learn and grow the most is when you take those steps. And so
0: I'm just smiling because Everything you're saying is not only so beautiful for your life, but for a music director, because you're just encouraging them, wherever you are, faithfully and humbly do the things to be prepared that you need to do. Be really good at your craft so that you can be prepared to look elsewhere. But when you do those two things, also be ready and be willing to step into the unknown and just follow God. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for sitting down with us today, Jeff.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: And thank you guys for joining us for the Passion Creative Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks again for listening to the Passion Creative Podcast. We hope it has inspired you, equipped you, and maybe even challenged you. Don't forget to rate and subscribe wherever you're listening and help other creatives all over the world come alongside us in the journey. We'll see you next time.